Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you are feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Like always, I'm joined with my husband and co-host, Pastor Josiah Keneally. And Josiah, we have an amazing guest with us today. I know you love to introduce them. So I'm going to give you the honor and privilege of introducing who we have on the set today. Oh, thanks so much, Micah. I feel like this is such a fun blessing to interview bright minds and pastors and leaders and influencers from across the country and across mm-hmm. the world. And today we're in for a treat. We're joined by Paul Sohn. And Paul is the founder of Kara which is an organization that empowers 20-somethings to discover their God-given identity and calling. And that's such a great fit Mm -hmm. for us and for the listeners of this podcast, the college pastors, young adult ministry leaders, and Paul's also an award-winning blogger, leadership coach, and speaker. His blog has actually been ranked the top 50 leadership blogs to follow. And Christianity Today uh, has named Paul among the top 33 under 33 Christian millennials to watch. So Paul, how are you, man? Thanks for joining us today. I'm doing really well. Excited to be on the show. Oh, well, we are honored that you are willing to join us. So Paul, we just want to honor your time and the listeners' time today. So we're just going to jump right in. So Paul, let's start with your story. Then we'll dive into a deeper conversation. So if you could give us a 40-foot vantage point of your story, what could you share with us today? Yeah, I mean, I think my story, um, there's a lot of ways to, I guess, address it. But I think the major defining moment happened for me when I graduated from college. I got into my dream job, which was to work for a Fortune 50 company. I was studying business and I was, you know, really just hustling and trying to kind of like uh, strive for success um, in a very worldly sense, even though I was a Christian. But that's when God started to just kind of meet me uh, through an identity crisis, what I call a quarter life crisis. And through this crisis, it just really just hit me like a ton of bricks that uh, there's these idols that I had in my life instead of pursuing what God's success for me and plan and calling for my life. All my life, I was just trying to prove myself and I was trying to Um, use prestige and power to show that I'm worthy. But it really felt empty at the end. Um, And ultimately, I felt like many young people were asking the same questions about their calling and their purpose. So um, long story short, after four years of working at uh, at Boeing, uh, which is where I worked at for four and a half years, uh, I ended up um, quitting my job and ended up writing a book um, called quarter life calling and uh, man like God just started to use this book in mighty ways it became uh, Amazon bestseller it just started a new path for me to go and speak to millennials and you know been all over Asia and got translated in Korean and Polish and all, all these different wow. came up and and um, yeah that's been a major kind of a defining moment for me and and after that um, you know, a year ago, I got married and yeah. started working at Biola University. And, you know, that, it's just been an uh, adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you are an adventurous person. And one of the things that I noticed that you said is your quarter life crisis was the birthing grounds for your quarter life calling. Yes. And crisis is mm-hmm. the birthing grounds for calling. Sometimes um, obstacles are actually opportunities in disguise. And sometimes, yeah. you know, really when things are disrupted, our friend Clint Reddy just said on the last podcast, he said that sometimes when things are disrupted, it's the per- perfect place to dream right. and dream a God dream. And so you wrote this book, Quarter Life Calling. The thing about it that you don't know is one of our prayer intercessory friends, your friend of ours named Pam Beckman. Pam has prayed for us for years mm-hmm. and she handed me your book right off the press. I don't know how she wow. got at our church before we had ever met, except we were connected on Twitter. And since then, we've been friends. I've written for your blog with Kara and we've uh, exactly connected and friends but before that i dove into this book and you're right so many young adults are searching for significance mm-hmm. they're praying for purpose what would you tell them today if they were listening yeah first and foremost i would just start with what the word of god says right in the book of romans it says in the message version which i love that mm-hmm. god's gifts and god's call are under full warranty it's mm-hmm. never canceled it's never rescinded and it's just a realization that wherever you are in life, that you have a calling. Now, the question is, how do you d- discover the calling and discern your calling? And that is a lifelong process. And that's another thing I would share with young people today is oftentimes we think of calling like we're trying to find uh, this key that you uh, have and you somehow can't find it in your house and somehow it's under your sofa, right? And you're trying to like figure it out. Where's my key? Where's my calling? And you're searching, but finding your calling and discerning your calling is actually an ongoing process. And I think for us, especially living in a very instant kind of gratification world, where we're um, we're not patient, honestly. And oftentimes, God works in decades, not just months or years. But think about Moses. Think about you know Joseph. It's it's years and years and decades that God uses to mold us to shape us. So um, I think it's really important for us to heed that uh, to the saying that, you know, we often overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what God can do in a decade. So having that long-term perspective, I think is important. That's so good. I just remember when I was younger reading the Bible, thinking that things happened very quickly, because when you read the word of God, you turn a page or you go to that next chapter and God lets people go free. You're like, yay. You're like, wait, how many years did that actually take? Right, Sarah, right. How many, how old were you when you had a baby? Like to put that into perspective. And I think that when we talk about our calling and our career and how they overlap and how we live that out each and every day, we don't arrive overnight and we're never going to arrive on this side of earth. But obviously when we get to eternity and Paul, you've started a ministry called Cara and helping people find their God-given calling. Why do you think so many people struggle with the connection with their career and their calling? Like, why does that seem to be such a big puzzle piece that doesn't seem to fit always? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is when I coach millennials and young people, you know, the number one struggle that young people have is decision fatigue. In other words, there's so many choices that's being offered to them, even compared to 50 years ago, right? Where what it meant to be, what it meant to be an adult um, is drastically different because of 
technology and just the type of uh, fourth industrial revolution that we're entering into. There's just so much change and we're in the middle of this COVID-19 crisis. It's created another change and as well. So how, how, to, how do millennials you know, try to connect their calling to the career when 60% of the jobs um, that students will have when they grow up has not even been ex- existed? Right. You know? Wow. How do, how do they even you know, wrap their mind around that? So I think constantly we're in a landscape that's constantly changing. And because of that, I think there is a struggle for young people who are trying to figure out how do I, first of all, understand what's God's calling for my life? How do I connect that to a career when uh, things are changing on a rapid pace? I think that's, that's a, one of the biggest struggles. That's great. This is me dumbing it down in my brain, but I think about this all the time of like, how do you make the decision of decision fatigue and the process of elimination? And I think when my grandparents were growing up, it's like you walked into a restaurant or you walked in and wanted dessert. You want chocolate or vanilla. You had one of two options. Now it's not like, do you want to be a doctor or a teacher? It's like all these novelties and all these doors have opened or they haven't even been dreamt up yet in our hearts and in our minds or maybe haven't been downloaded into our hearts from the Lord yet. So that's my way of dumbing it down or thinking like, okay, do I want chocolate or vanilla when I walk down the ice cream aisle? Now I have three rows to choose from. And I think on a, on a small scale, that's how I think a lot of young adults feel when you say 60%, it's like, holy cow, that's, that's more than 50. So that, <laughs> that's where my <laughs> mind goes. And I'm not brilliant like you, but... <laughs> Well, and I just follow that up with my pattern of thinking, which is like, okay, so what you're actually telling me, Paul, is I'm set free. If I'm a young adult who's struggling to connect my career with my calling, you just set me free. And I don't know if you realize that you did. It means what you told me, what I heard you say, you can invent your own lane. You can invent a new thing that's never even been done and the devil doesn't know how to stop it because it's never been thought of before. It's never been spoken into existence. So I would just say like, maybe a listener could be set free that you feel misunderstood. You feel at a crossroads. Mm -hmm. That might be Mm -hmm. the place that God wants you to be. And so Paul, you mentioned that you had just recently started teaching at Biola University. I think that's incredible. You get to invest in the young leaders from across the world, some of the brightest minds. And can you take us to school for a few minutes and share with our listeners about the intersection of work and purpose or take it a different direction about what God's been downloading to your heart recently? Yeah, you know, you know what's interesting for me is the reason why I joined Biola University is because the dean of our business school came up to me and said, Paul, like, we really want to become uh, the leading Christ-centered business school in the nation. Mm-hmm. And I kind of asked him, what does that mean? And he talked about how every person is in ministry. It's not those who are just pastors. It's those right. who are missionaries. But every person, and especially a young person, who feels like they're called to ministry, but not in as a pastor or missionary, but really in the field that they're called in, we want to grow and cultivate these army of Christ-centered leaders over there. So that's when I, I was really fascinated by the whole vision around that. So my, my major task is to create a vision around what calling and career could look like 
for these young students between the age of 18 to 22 who are still in the process of figuring themselves out, but giving them the vision that when you're going into business, you're not going into some sort of a second class kind of work or doing part-time um, ministry work, but you're actually going there and your God has placed you there for a purpose and you have the tools, the mindset, and the excellence and the capability to go and bring and make a difference. And I think that's, to me, a huge investment that we're putting in towards. So we're changing new curriculums. We're revamping our internship strategy. We're, I'm starting to teach a brand new course on calling uh, starting this fall. So we're, we're making a lot of changes to, to make that work. Oh, man. I think it's just a beautiful illustration of the vision that you guys have at the university, what you're wanting to do and how you are longing to equip, not the, the minister or the pastor, but the, the believer in Christ, the missionary. We're all on yes. a mission. And if God puts us in the marketplace, then I, that, is my, that is my pulpit. That is where God's placed me. Those are my roots. And we know that we're going to see and have seen you know, generation after generation how ministry is done differently, how students learn, how we interact with each other. Um, but Paul, what are some ways you see opportunities to do ministry with the next generation um, in the changing near future? Yeah, I think the landscape that the next generation are entering into is uh, what you know Barna calls the digital Babylon. So it's it's a very different uh, landscape they're in. Um, you know, the whole world is governed by online, uh, the internet technology, and the Babylon in the sense that. You know, um, it's, it's like Daniel and, you know, when he was exiled into Babylon, he was forced to adapt in a culture that was so foreign to the Jews. And I think for a lot of young people today growing up is very different than even when I grew up and my parents grew up. Um, and being able to navigate that, I think is really important. So how do we uh, think about um, integrating online in our ministry and not just like doing online services. I'm talking about more about how can we utilize social media as a way to talk about Jesus, talk about um, the lifestyle of Jesus in a compelling way where we're competing with different voices of this culture, of this media. Um, and I think, you know, being able to be at the forefront and be a pioneer of yep. leveraging these technologies, I think is going to be key. The second part I would say is just the whole faith and work world, I think it's going to blow up even more, um, you know, for, for people to recognize that as we're entering into the most diverse generation ever um, and recognizing that, you know, you're not just going to church and, and, and the whole mindset there, but actually being able to say, I'm going to bring my faith into work. Mm -hmm. And out of the 40 hours I work every week, how do I be a Christian? What does it look like? Um, and being able to have more training and teaching and role models out there who can, who can share with young people that, you know, you could still be uh, following God in, in a faithful way as a, a designer or as a uh, investment banker, or, you know, if you're, uh, you know, educator, you could still do that in an effective way. Amazing. You remind me of a Erwin McManus quote, quote, what you just said is Erwin um, heard him talk recently and he said that he 
had an education that prepared him for a world that no longer exists. Mm. And I think that mm -hmm. he graduated, to be honest, he's in his 60s. He graduated 30, 40 years ahead of my time when I graduated high school and college and right. school. And I already feel like there are elements of right. my education that <laughs> prepared me for a world in which no longer exists. And that there's beauty in that. And there's also a little bit of backtracking with that. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what do I do now? And that's okay. And so I think to acknowledge it is the first step. But Paul, have, has there ever been a time where maybe you had a defining moment, stepping out into life, stepping out in the world, and you felt unprepared for it, and you relied on the Holy Spirit. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a few moments, but for me is when I decided that I had to write this book. Um, I initially self-published it, um, and you know, a lot of crazy things happened, but I would say, when you step into your calling, you just feel the sense of like you're in this limbo, like this transition that you're not in control. And that's when God starts to show up and really just leads you and guides you. And it just becomes like this amazing roller coaster ride, right? And for me, when I first uh, self-published it on the launch date, I was able to sell thousand copies of my book and you know, I was just blown away by that. Um, and it became an Amazon bestseller. But what's even crazy is um, a couple days later, I get an email from a literary agent in New York City. Wow. And uh, she emails me and says, Paul, um, you don't know me, but I actually stumbled on your book on Amazon. I ended up reading your book and your book changed my life. Wow. And I'm reaching out to you because... I'm a Christian, I'm a millennial, and I really believe that your book has the potential to reach thousands of other millennials. Would you be willing to republish this book? Honestly, I'm reading this on my phone. I'm thinking to myself, man, this is a scam. You know, like someone from <laughs> Nigeria, like they want my bank account information. Like this is, this is too good to be true. But she calls me the next day and like, Paul, this is real. I'm actually gonna be in LA. In a, in a week, would you be interested to meet up and have lunch? So a week goes by, we're having this lunch and she says, Paul, you know, I'm sending out the proposal tonight to every single Christian publisher I know. I just want you to pray and see what God does. So honestly, I'm like, you know, I don't know what's happening and this is happening so fast. So I'm like, okay, let's pray and see what happens and don't really have any much expectations. But two weeks goes by, agent calls again and says, Paul, you wouldn't believe this. You just got seven offers from the top Christian publishers. And, you know, I, this never happened to me, especially for a first-time author. And at that moment, when I heard that, I just felt like, wow, like, I don't know what's happening with my life, but I know, God, you're in control. Yeah. And I, you have a destiny for me. And I just have to be faithful and just take it one step at a time. And I think that was the defining moment for me because after that, you know, God started to take me in a very different direction from being in corporate America to now starting up Kara and being a voice for the generation and really providing thought leadership and content towards those who are just struggling to find your calling. So I would say that's, that's been a key moment. 
that's there's no doubt about it that God's hand of provision has been oh, upon yeah. your life. Oh, yeah. And the process. And when when he like when we rest, he's always working. And it's so fun to hear and see um, the testimony that you have, Paul, to see other Christians and other believers come alongside you and see a dream of yours maybe come true that you maybe never anticipated as a, a dream of blowing up and getting seven offers, you know, in two weeks. And I think that just encourages my heart. And I think it encourages many listeners to know that we get to come alongside each other as believers. Yes. And mm -hmm. uh, we've come to the point of our episode where we want to continue to get to know you more, but we have five and five, which means we have five questions and you have five minutes to answer. So this is where okay. we get to know you. Are you feeling it? Can you do it? Yeah, let's do it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So question number one, Paul, what trends do you see in your travels happening across the landscape of young adult ministry, maybe in the church, but also globally? Yeah, I would say definitely, um, you know, especially in America, there, there's been uh, such a dramatic just, you know, kind of exodus uh, of, you know, Christians and young people just leaving the church, as you guys know. But I also am very um, kind of uh, hopeful uh, because they're, they're the remaining remnants of young adults who, who are just more passionate and more alive in Christ. And God is looking for that, you know, one person who, who's going to be willing to follow him and obey him and become a man or a woman after God's heart. So I believe God is, you know, stirring up another revival for our generation, which I'm very hopeful. So that's kind of what I'm seeing. Yes. May we be awakened to that as listeners, as learners, as leaders. And Paul, let me ask you this question. It's a bit personal, but what have you learned from being married recently? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we're we're all, you know I'm. It's almost like 23 more days till our first year anniversary. So, mm -hmm. still very new in this whole marriage thing. But I think definitely the biggest learning is uh, learning to die to myself and learning to serve and love my wife first and foremost. Of changing that mindset, you know, after living alone. Yeah, pretty much for 30 years, it's easy to uh, think about from your own mindset. But how do I just serve and love my wife before I start thinking about what I want? And, and that, that's a process. And it's been, you know, a lot of failures and mistakes I've made. But, you know, it's, it's constantly I'm learning and growing as a result of that. Always making us a better person and a better communicator, for sure. The gift of marriage. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, Paul, if we could flip the script, um, if you could ask us a question today, what would you ask us? That's great. Um, I would say, how, so for how many uh, guests did you, did you have on your show so far? We're in That's not the question, but I want to, yeah. We're in season three recording today. Right now we have about 37 episodes published, which means we have another 20 ready to publish. So we've had about 57 guests so far. Yeah. All right. So that's, that's a lot of guests of 57 guests. So my question is, what was your favorite question that was asked from those 57 <laughs> guests? <laughs> that's the most memorable one. Oh man. Oh man. Well, we've only been asking this question probably for about five episodes. So this is very, okay. fresh. but one fun one I think we just had from our friend Grant was he had said, um, do you, cause we've been married for three years, Josiah and I have been, and he said, and we're pregnant with our first child right now. And he had said, do you 
um, regret waiting three years or are you glad you waited three years? And mm. how and I thought that was a very good question. Maybe this would help you if you and your wife plan on having children. I was 30 when we got married and I okay. responded with Grant's question. Um, and I had said, Grant, there's two things that we, we prayed for even before we were married and engagement and year number one of marriage is who are we in marriage? Like, to become a better communicator, to learn how to die to self. And obviously that doesn't happen overnight and it's a whole lifetime together. And then the year two, we started praying and it was very much, who are you in ministry together? Cause Josiah and I are both very much called, but how do we not run in our own lanes off in a distance, but how do we run in cadence together yeah. with what God has? So mm-hmm. year three was um, more or less, this is who you're going to become as a family. So I think that's how I answered it. And I don't regret waiting. Um, I definitely enjoy the time that Josiah and I have had together, but I'm also um, five years older than him. And I said, I don't mm-hmm. want to wait till I'm 40 trying to have our first child. So we're going to put it in God's hands. And if his answer is no, then we're going to fully trust that our students and the ministry God's given us is going to be the children or we're going to be the spiritual grandparents. So I thought it was a very fun question. He's like, that was very personal. Awesome. I just had to throw I it like out that. there. I like that. That's great. <laughs> It helps me to think about my, um, you know, marriage and, you know, having kids and all that. So that's good. Timeline's important for a female, I think, more than a male sometimes understands. But it's for sure. <laughs> it's true. So, Paul, back to you. Would you be willing to share with us one of the most epic failures you've experienced in life, career, marriage, or ministry? Uh, I would say back in college, um, I actually ended up uh, flunking an entire year. So in my sophomore year, I was in business school and it's just like, you know, when people ask me like, why did you, how did you flunk a year? Like, did you go party? It's like, I'm not even party anymore. Like I don't go clubbing or anything, you know, like I was busy. Like it was just lack of time management. Like for example, during finals, I was reading books on Christian apologetics when I was, should be studying accounting, <laughs> you know, like, it's just like my interest was so like, in apologetics at the time, especially with influence of Ravi Zacharias. So ended up actually f- having to t- retake an entire year at community college. And that became like this wilderness season for me because God was teaching me and helping me mature to focus on what matters most and being able to um, prioritize things. So I came back successfully and, you know, I felt like I became a different person as a result of that. But, you know, you know, it was it was definitely uh, you know, a hard process, especially when I told my parents, like, you know, I have to go to community college and retake all these courses. So they were not happy about that. <laughs> oh. Well, that reminds me of Louis Giglio. He actually talks about failing out of college twice from two separate schools. Oh, wow. And he, and he had a similar story where he was preaching every night and he, he was like, God, I want to be a youth pastor. So, and then he had this moment and look where he is today. And so, um, Paul, on that note, if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today? Yeah, I just, I just want to wrap it up with a story that I think would be particularly relevant for leaders of young adults. And it's the story of Thomas Edison. When Thomas Edison was very young, around eight or nine, he came home with a note with his, uh, in his hand and his mom said, what's that note? And uh, Edison said, no, teacher asked me to give it to you. I don't know what it is. That's, the mom opened up the note 
and uh, she just burst into tears. So Tom Edison was surprised and asked mom, like, mom, what does the note say? And she says, the note says that your son is a genius and we don't have to, we don't have the instructors to instruct them. So you have to instruct yourself at home. So um, her, 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 his mom kind of let him just roam around, explore things, you know, invent things and do these things, which is kind of amazing because that made Edison kind of one of the greatest inventors in America. But years later, after his mother's uh, passing, uh, Thomas Edison was rummaging through his mother's belonging and, and his found, he found a note tucked away in a book. And when he read it, he broke out of tears because the note didn't say that at all. The note actually said, your son is, um, he's mentally, you know, ill. Like he, he, wow. he's, he, he doesn't have the mental capacity and we don't have the instructors to instruct him. So you have to instruct yourself at home. And I just love that story because there was a mom who believed in Thomas Edison when all the people around them, whether, whether it's teachers or friends, discounted him, his mom believed in him. And I believe that as leaders, when we're able to call out the best in our young adults, when you may not even see the potential, but we need to humble ourselves and ask God, God, give me the eyes of God so that I can see the best in this person, uh, the giftings and the calling that you have placed in this person's life. Help me to see this young person like God, how you see me. And I think when as leaders, if we're able to have that mindset, the young person, they're going to experience the love, they experience the encouragement and the affirmation. And that could literally change your life. Paul, what a great way to leave the listener today of saying that you are chosen, you are an innovator, you are anointed for the marketplace, for the mission field, in ministry, wherever God is placing you, and that you are chosen and you can truly believe that and lean into that because we have a God in heaven who believes just as much as Thomas Edison's mom. I've never heard that story. That is a great wow. way to leave the listener challenge today. You can be that mom or dad to somebody in your ministry, or you can allow the heavenly father to be that person to you yes. today. So Paul, we just want to thank you. We've had an amazing conversation and you as a listener, if you want to find out more about Paul or Cara and the other um, quarter life calling, which is his book, you can connect with us on our website at youngadults.today, as well as our social media platforms. That's all we have for you. We're going to end with an amazing challenge. Paul, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Right now. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now.